So for example, if you are selling supplements and you've got customers that are interested in fat loss and building muscle and rehydration, there's all these different goals. So let's just pick one, one pain point, one topic for this one particular email. So let's just say we're going to focus on um, rehydration. So some things they can do with their diet to, you know, maybe offer like three to five tips on some things they can do to stay hydrated. And then at the end, there's a, a very easy and natural segue to, oh, by the way, if you just want a really convenient way to do this, buy our rehydration packets and then you can plug your product. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Intentional Profits Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Green. Today, I've got a really great conversation with Kyle Stout. Kyle is the owner of Elevate and Scale, an email marketing agency. He also does some branding work and SMS texting marketing. We had a really great conversation, really mostly focused on the email marketing and sales strategy aspect of the business. I just, I, th I feel like email marketing is such an untapped territory, but it's, it's like consistent, reliable and owned media. So Kyle has a lot of great tips on how to start building your list, how to format an email, a sales email, how to come up with ideas, unlimited ideas for emails and stay tuned to the end to see what building an intentional business means to him. All right, real quick, let's hop into the disclaimers and then hop into the combo with Kyle Stout. Justin Green is the founder of Assist FP, a registered investment advisor in the state of Massachusetts. Colton Etherton is a financial advisor and founder of Out of the Office Planning, a registered investment advisor in the state of Oregon. This podcast is for informational purpose only and is not advice. All opinions expressed by the host or their guests are solely theirs and do not reflect Assist FP or Out of the Office Planning. Talk to your advisor if you have any questions. Kyle, thanks so much for coming on. Let everyone know where are you calling in from. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm calling in from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Very cool. I've been to Tulsa one time. Uh, I went to the Gold's Gym in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I went out there after college. I was doing a, a internship where we were going to like Little League baseball tournaments and we were out there for, for one and for, it was literally one night. So I went to the Whataburger, I think there, and then the Gold's Gym, if that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Good choices on both. Yeah. Um, so you are the email expert. I'm, I'm excited to dive in with you, um, talk all things email marketing. So why don't we like, I want to, I want to just dive right into it. So why don't we start with what is email marketing and why are people missing out by not doing it? And then we'll dive in from there. Okay. I think, <clears throat> I think there's a few reasons why people are neglecting it. A lot of reasons, why, you know, as to what, you know what they're missing out on. I think what it really comes down to from the conversations I've had with people is that because email has been around for so long, it's that thing that you always know is there, but there's all this newer, sexier stuff that's come about, and you know, every couple of years, there's always some new thing. So some new social media platform that you got to be on, or AI, or whatever. And email just continues to get pushed down the to-do list. And if the, you know, if the owner or the marketing manager, whoever would be responsible for it, if they don't already have much experience with it, they don't have either like an interest or have, you know, an established skill level there. A lot of times it's just not very enticing to do. They just, you know, either they don't know what to say um, or they just, again, it's like they mean to get to it, but they don't. That seems to be the most common case that happens. But as far as what they're missing out on, I mean, it's it's an extremely powerful and reliable sales channel. And if you talk to any 
business that does do email marketing, and especially the business owners that maybe neglected it for a while, and now they've been doing it for a year or two, uh, they'll tell you how much they regret waiting as long as they did, because while you can still, of course, build your business and get tons of sales from all the other different sales channels there are, email just tends to be the most consistent and it gives you direct access to your leads and customers on a platform that you own versus usually you are on a social media platform or something that you don't totally own and control. So, you know, if they make changes to the algorithm or something happens to your page, there's just all these things that can interfere with you being able to reach your people directly. And also just a lot of times your own followers don't see your posts. Whereas with email, as long as you're you know, doing good uh, work with your emails and protecting your email deliverability, those people are getting those emails every time. I think email is so tricky. I think it's one of the most, I actually think it's probably the most important part of your marketing strategy, but I, admittedly I, I have, I'm, I haven't done it very well and I haven't built out my list that much, but I, I feel like if I look and I, I look at any successful business uh, owner, they're, they're highly motivated to do email marketing. Like they have a list, they're building a list and they're sending out multiple emails a week. Like I can't think of a big business that that's not doing that. Anyone I like, I'm a big story brand guy. I'm not sure if you're familiar, Donald Miller. Mm -hmm. I mean, he must send me five emails a week. Um, anyone else like Russell Brunson emails every single day. A lot of the top marketers, I mean, they are, you know, they are very big into email marketing. And so it always, it's interesting to me why we don't do it. What do you think like holds people back? Is it the, they don't think they're a good writer? Is it uh, like the fear of hitting send? Like, what do you think holds people back from actually hopping into the emails? Yeah. I mean, you touched on it. There's a, there's several reasons. One of them that's, that's pretty common is that people have this attitude that if I, I'm going to be annoying people, they think like, oh, you know, I don't want to be annoying. I don't want to annoy my list by sending them emails. And that holds them back. And by the way, if, if you're thinking that way, that holds you back from creating good email content. Because if you sit down at the computer with the mindset of, I'm just going to try to not be annoying, you think about what kind of copy are you going to end up writing versus if you... Boring. Yeah, exactly. It's like you're trying not to be annoying. That's not very interesting. Whereas, <laughs> you know, if you think about your attitude when you go create social content or something, you're thinking, well, how can I be interesting? How can I be entertaining? How can I help people? You know, whatever. If, and you can have that same mindset with email because it's just another another channel to deliver your content. So part of it is that uh, a big part, a big problem is people just don't know what to say. Like you said, you know, these people are emailing multiple times a week. I'm not sure if I could even come up with, you know, one email a week consistently, much less three emails a week consistently. That's a big pain point for people. <clears throat> and we can talk about that, how to come up with more ideas. And then I think there's other people where they either haven't done much of it yet or haven't really had much success with it. So they just, they think they, they've kind of checked it off. They're like, oh, I tried that. Um, it didn't really work for our business. And they, it's something that Maybe they just uh, have written off or they plan to come back to at some point, but that point just never seems to arrive. So it seems to be some combination of those things as to what's really stopping people. Well, you just described me perfectly with the last one. I've, uh, I have plenty of ideas. I've got notes. I've got Notion. I've got ClickUp. They're all full of different ideas and I just never seem to get back to it. So you kind of hit the nail on the head there. I think a really good spot, there's a lot of different ways I could go with this, but I think where I want to start is 
for the person listening who really doesn't have a list, maybe they have a couple people on there, but it's, it's a small list or they don't have a list at all. Where do they start to build the list? And then from there, I kind of want to go into like, what's a good email? Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, when you're first getting started, that is, you know, until you have a list built up, you're really not going to generate much from your email list. So there's no point in doing on, you know, ongoing campaigns on a regular basis if there's no one or not very many people there to receive them. So priority number one is getting, is creating some sort of lead magnet, some sort of offer to get people to sign up to your list. Because, you know, in the past, you know, 20 years ago, people were just excited to sign up to email lists. So you could say things like, oh, you're, you'll get, you know, exclusive content or new updates from me. And that's just not compelling enough for people now. Now you really need to have some sort of offer. So if you're an e-commerce business selling products online, the most common thing is to offer a coupon code. So it could be a discount off or free shipping or a free gift, whatever. For uh, people doing, you know, consulting, all different kinds of services, B2B, it's usually going to be some sort of lead magnet that's like, uh, you know, a, a checklist, a free video training, a webinar, a consultation, something like that. But there's got to be something that's enticing to people in the first place. And whenever you're crafting your lead magnet, I like to, if it's not going to be just a coupon code, which that's the easiest thing, but uh, for a lot of businesses, that's just not really practical or it's not an option. So I like to offer something that's quick and actionable, something that where they can get a quick win and something that's going to move them forward towards buying my service. So it's not going to be something that totally replaces my service, but it's also not going to be completely irrelevant to my service either. So it's going to be something that's quick and actionable, allows them to do something on their own that they weren't able to do, but maybe to get the full value out of that, they would need to hire you um, or to personalize this training to their business, they would need to hire you, something like that. So that way you're attracting the right people because I found that, again, if you, you can build up this huge list of people that aren't your ideal customers and it defeats the purpose, they're not going to, I mean, yes, they might open your emails, they might read the content, but they won't necessarily buy. So and one really important thing to consider here, especially if you're offering services, like I offer email marketing services for my agency, is that when I'm putting out content, sometimes the content is more catered towards other email marketers. So if I'm teaching you how to do something with email marketing, most of the people who really want that content, they're not probably not going to hire me because either they are handling the email marketing for the company they work for, and they're just trying to get better, or they're another email marketer, whether they're a freelancer or they work at an agency or whatever, they're trying to get better at the skill versus trying to target the business owner where this is more about telling them or, or explaining to them what they should be doing, why they should be doing it and offering more advice around those things, but not getting into the weeds on the how-to because they don't want to do it themselves. They want to hire someone competent to do it for them. So that's something to consider when you create a lead magnet is that if you go on Google and start searching how to make lead magnets, a lot of time the initial advice is just going to go straight to how-to stuff. And not to say you shouldn't do that, but you just want to think a little bit more strategically about, okay, who is actually my ideal customer and what can I offer that would serve them? So that way, when I'm trying to get the highest quality people signed up to my list. Yeah, that's a really good point. I heard it put recently, um, the lead gen should get them to the point where they're ready to buy the service, the product, whatever it is, right? Not re And I think one of the biggest mistakes, and you kind of just touched on this, is sometimes people will make the free training 
almost so good that it replaces the service, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it. But you don't like you don't want it. You want to like get them primed and ready for what you're going to sell them rather than completely duplicate it, in my opinion. Um, I'm curious. Do you have it's kind of putting you on the spot here? So if you don't, it's fine. But do you have a good example of 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 maybe someone you've worked with uh, a good lead gen and kind of how it led into what they were actually selling. Um, like, uh, in terms of like a consultant, a coach, et cetera, maybe that type of training. Yeah. So we work mostly with e-commerce businesses, but okay. I do have a client right now who, um, he's, is a YouTuber who sells online courses around yeah. um, trading in different markets. And he's doing a free training video, which is just, uh, let's see the one he's doing now is how to read, charts. So just mm -hmm. developing this basic skill that traders need to have, but then to learn the strategies to trade in these different markets, he's got courses for the different ma markets and platforms. So that's working really well for him. He also has a big engaged following online. So of course that, that helps. Right. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the opt-in rate on that is insane and people are buying a ton of courses on the back end just from a very simple funnel with that free video training. Yeah, and thinking long term, like where is it supposed to lead someone, is huge. And I, I'm curious, like, are there any trends you're seeing that makes a better lead gen right now? Like, I feel like we see the the PDF guides all the time, right? Like, are those getting burnt out? Like, is that still a good option? Is video the best way to go? Like, do you see any trends that are maybe better for for opt in rates? So. PDFs still work. I personally like video trainings a little better just because a lot of people now are, they just prefer to consume your content through video. Mm -hmm. um, and there's different ways you can do it because you, so in, in the past, people were really big on webinars and they would actually do the webinars live. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, a lot of the people who are, they might say it's live. It's not really live. It's pre-recorded. But so that's actually a little easier for people. So on one hand, yes, there is some value to getting a bunch of people to show up on time. They've dedicated that time to it. Um, and those are probably pretty warm people if they do that. But there's also a lot of convenience. And you got to think about the convenience factor for the lead when you do the free trainings. And what's cool is that there's a lot of these, these different platforms now where you can track their activity in the free training. So if they would start to watch the free training video, but they don't get to the pitch at the end, you can have them get certain follow-up emails and make sure that they get the information that would have been in the pitch versus if they watch the pitch, now you can tailor those follow-up emails to someone who's already seen the pitch. And now you're just trying to, you know, further convince them to move forward. And then if they just never say they signed up for the free training, but they never watched it, you can have follow-up to get them to actually go watch the free training in the first place. So that's one thing that to me is pretty cool compared to like a PDF where it's just, you can't really track what they've done or how, how they've engaged with it after they've downloaded it. So that to me is a big advantage. And the fact that people just love video, I would say that that's where, uh, that's what I personally am seeing more people doing and having success with. Interesting. That's a gem you just put out there, like the analytics data side of seeing like where people are dropping off in the video, because, you know, you just made really good points. The other thing I thought of immediately was like, okay, if you see that a lot of people are dropping off at, you know, say the 30 minute mark of a 60 minute webinar, well then shorten the webinar to 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Like make your pitch much earlier because you see the data. Uh, whereas like, 
you know, other, other non like email platforms, you know, like Instagram, you put a reel up and, and I think might die in a couple hours and there's really no data to see. Yeah. You can see like average watch time, but you're probably going to put up a reel on a different topic the next day anyway. So it doesn't really help you. Um, what I'm hearing is like, you can make some really data driven analytical decisions based off of email marketing. That was really cool. I, I never thought of that. Um, and that sounds extremely helpful. All right, let's pivot. If someone's uh, say they built up the list or they've got a little bit of a list going and now they want to actually market using the email, like what's a good, how do you format a good marketing email? Let, let's like keep it basic. Um, where should people start? Okay. So I have a, a format that I recommend to people. It's just like a go-to template you can use until you get until you start to get more comfortable and you can just start making up stuff on your own and, and being you know more strategic about it. But the, so the first thing you want to do is if you haven't done this before, you need to do the initial work of defining your ideal customer profile. So, you know, there's a, there's plenty of guides online. There's different terms for it's buyer persona or whatever. Uh, you mentioned building a story brand. I think that's a, a really, really useful framework for people where they can learn a lot of the strategy that goes into copywriting without really having to understand all the technical stuff of copywriting. It's just like, if you follow this template they give you at the end of it, you will have a compelling way to talk about your brand and about your products. So when you do this, you're going to end up with a list of benefits and pain points and all these different things that you know, your ideal customers really care about the most. So then to me, or what I always recommend for just a go-to template for an email is a combination of providing value, but then also selling. So it's not just going to be this straight on, you know, full promotional email where you're just selling the whole time. It's, I call it having a conversation starter. So you would open the email around a particular topic, and then you're going to segue into what you're selling. So for example, if you are selling supplements and you've got customers that are interested in fat loss and building muscle and rehydration. There's all these different goals. So let's just pick one, one pain point, one topic for this one particular email. So let's just say we're going to focus on, um, rehydration. So some things they can do with their diet to, you know, maybe offer like three to five tips on some things they can do to stay hydrated. And then at the end, there's a, a very easy and natural segue to, Oh, by the way, if you just want a really convenient way to do this buy our rehydration packets, and then you can plug your product. And so for everyone on your list who, if this is a, a pain point or a concern for them, this is going to be a no brainer purchase for them. It's going to be speaking specifically to them for all the other people who just aren't, don't really care about rehydration. This one's not going to be, they're going to learn something useful. It's, it will hopefully be interesting enough that they're like, okay, I'll at least keep opening these emails because when they talk about something I care more about, I know that they're going to give me something useful in the email, even if I'm not in the market to buy today. And over time, you test these different topics and you're going to see certain ones far outperform the other ones. And that's how you start to really dial in. Okay. I, uh, yes, I'm selling supplements to a wide group of people, but my list seems to care the most about these five different, you know, major goals. And then you can start to hone in where as you do future emails, you're focusing more on those goals more often. Should you sell in every email? So a lot of people say you shouldn't. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily every single email, but more often than not, yes. So I don't really, the, used to the thinking was, okay, you get them to sign up for something, 
you put them in this long sequence of nurturing emails where you don't do any selling. And then once you've earned their permission, then you start selling to them. And I don't find that to be the most useful way to do it anymore. For one, a lot of people, especially if you're selling anything B2B, everyone knows the game. They know what you're doing. There's no point in hiding the fact that you're trying to sell something, especially because you should be believing what you're selling is, is actually going to be helpful to people, right? So I like to take the approach of just doing both in the same email, provide a little bit of value and sell. Every so often, you might have emails that, that are not sales-driven at all. Maybe it's just trying to uh, get feedback for people for a survey, or you're trying to get them to go leave a review or tag you on social or follow you on social, whatever. Um, and other times, it might be strictly sales. Maybe you're running, you have a new product you're launching, or there's a holiday sale you're doing. So those are going to be times where it's just straight promotional. But for most of the emails you send out, I like to do a combination where it's like you start the email provide some value, but just know that whenever you're creating this, that you want to have some sort of natural segue to be able to tie it back to your product or service. So it doesn't have to be this big, obvious sales pitch. It just kind of becomes, you know, a no brainer for them. It's like, look, if this is a relevant thing for you, relevant topic or pain point or whatever, then we provide a solution for that. So I'm listening to this and I'm thinking like, where do newsletters fit in? Because I feel like if you're on, you know, Twitter, X, RIP Twitter, um, or other platforms, you'll see creators talk a lot about newsletters. What I guess I always, I always see them as two different things. And I wanted to kind of clarify that for anyone listening. It's like, I, I don't really feel like a newsletter is email marketing per se. It might be a good way to get the emails, but you're usually not selling in the newsletter itself. Or, or do you disagree with that? Or what are your thoughts on that? So there's a couple of, I would, I would actually separate newsletters into two categories, maybe more, but so you have the traditional newsletter, which like when someone sends a, a weekly newsletter, it's kind of a, a roundup of these are some, some things we posted this week. These are some things that are going on this week, whatever, right? That's like the, the typical newsletter that's always been around. I think that's most relevant today for people who are online creators who have a big following and they, they put out a bunch of content. So like mm -hmm. Gary V does a, a weekly newsletter and a bunch of other big influencers do. And so, you know, it's, it's almost impossible for people to keep up with all the content he's posting. So he has this weekly roundup for most businesses. Those newsletters aren't really going to do much for you. They're not really going to drive sales. And I, and I honestly don't find them to be that interesting for the consumer even. Now, the other type of newsletter, these are people who really are building businesses around their newsletter. So using a platform like Substack, where people are paying for their newsletter. So they will put out, let's say they're doing, you know, three emails a week, maybe one or two of them are free for their free subscribers. And maybe, you know, one or two of them are paid. And so only the paid subscribers get these things. And the people who build up these kind of newsletters are usually monetizing that newsletter in multiple ways. So they might have their own products and services they sell, or a, a lot of times they're doing affiliate marketing. But the big thing with these types of newsletters is that people are usually subscribing because you are a trusted resource for a particular piece of information. So it could be like crypto people. There's all these crypto newsletters where you, know, you want to be the go-to resource for financial news and anything related to crypto. Um, I've seen these for people do these for fitness. I've seen people do these for parenting things, for skincare, you name it. As long as you're consistently providing 
good information. And the way that Substack works, you people can go look at the archive of all your past posts. So it's kind of like a combination of old school blogging, but also newsletter. And again, they're they're usually they're not always, I would say, putting on a hard sell in every email, but there's usually at least some sort of affiliate offer, or it's just like really detailed, in-depth information. And they just have a little dedicated section at the bottom of the different stuff you can buy from them. And But the information is so good and you're so interested in that information. That's why you're a subscriber to them. That's really how that model works. And a lot of people are building uh, you know, pretty profitable businesses off just doing these paid newsletters like that. Yeah. And the reason I wanted to bring it up is because I, I almost consider those a product in itself, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the newsletter is the product. Some people create online courses, you know, some people create newsletters, right? And the, you know, I'm thinking of one in, in particular, it's called Growth in Reverse. It's a really good one. She does a, a weekly uh, deep dive on like creators and how they built their email list. And um, then you get sponsorships and like you said, affiliate marketing, et cetera. And, and the actual newsletter is the product. They might eventually make courses, et cetera. Uh, but I just want to clarify, because I think there's a lot of noise around like everyone needs to have a newsletter. And I think that's a little different like that's a product for the most part and a little different than actual email marketing in my opinion. Um, and so I kind of want to just distinctly separate those two for anyone listening so they don't get confused. Yeah, no, that's a good point because they are very different. It's kind of like that type of newsletter is similar to having a podcast, right? Yes. It's like, in my opinion, I wouldn't say everyone has to have a newsletter. It's more like what kind of content do you enjoy creating? Are you more of a writer? Are you more of a video person? You know, are you more short form, long form, whatever? But if you are more of a writer and the idea of doing YouTube videos or doing a podcast, you just hate the idea of always being on camera, then doing a paid newsletter is a great avenue for you. But if you're someone who doesn't like writing already and you don't have, you don't feel compelled to share information in written form, you're probably going to hate it. So just because you hear about all these great news, paid newsletters people are doing, to really build it up, to have a ton of value and get those sponsorships and everything, it's the same thing like what goes into building a podcast. Like You have to actually enjoy it and you have to show up and keep putting the reps in. So something to keep in mind for people if they're debating that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So earlier you kind of talked about how do you come up with ideas. And so I wanted to dive into that a little bit more for someone who's listening thinking like, okay, that works for a couple of emails, but then I'm going to run out of things to say, like, what am I going to talk about? How do you come up with those, those ideas? So this is where ChatGPT or any other, one of these other AI tools can be really useful for this. So used to, it would just honestly rely on us just racking our brains. Like, you know, you get to a point where each, whatever business you're working with, you do get to a point where you've kind of talked about everything. Like you've taken all the different angles of how can we talk about our product or service? And then you have to get creative to find new ways to talk about the same stuff, um, which, you know, it's it still can be done, but it saves a ton of time if you use ChatGPT to help you gather these ideas. So that's something that we've been using where during the initial process of creating someone's messaging strategy and figuring out all those pain points and benefits and all of that, I will plug in that ideal customer profile into ChatGPT and have it give me 10 topics for every single pain point, every single benefit, all the aspirations, the goals, the fears, the worries, all of that. So I've got 10 different topics across, let's say probably five to 10 different, you know, benefits slash pain points. And those topics tend to be pretty broad. 
And then within that one broad topic, you can have ChatGPT give you 10 more specific topics. So I, so I wouldn't say just topics. I would say, give me 10 uh, email campaigns based around this one broad topic from this one pain point. So when you drill down like that, you end up with hundreds, I mean, easily hundreds of pieces of content or, or con potential um, topics for you to write about. And so then it's not an issue of knowing or having ideas of what to write about. It's more of, okay, which ones do we actually want to prioritize? Which ones do we feel strongly about? And some of those, of course, you're going to throw away because you just don't like the idea or it's not relevant, but um, there's no shortage if you keep drilling down in your topic research. And then should you have ChatGPT write the email? You can, but I definitely would not just copy and paste the, the copy in verbatim. Mm -hmm. I like ChatGPT for market research, for idea generation, for um, sometimes, uh, you know, coming up with a headline or a subject line and then having it give you alternative variations. Um, you can get decent copy from it if you put in a lot of detail in the prompt, meaning that in the prompt, you specifically say what type of email you, you want it to write, what the objective is, you list out some information about the ideal customers. If you give it a lot of detail like that, it will get you a pretty good email, but you still want to go in add in your own personal touch, your own, you know, your, whatever your style is, if it's you or if it's your brand, you want to add in the the signature phrases and just the way you would communicate. And a lot of times it just tends to be, the emails just tend to be really long and, and there's a lot of fluff in there. So it's really just like a lot of cutting that stuff out, cleaning up a little bit. And yeah, you, you can get to where with practice, you can get to where you, it's really speeding up the process of creating copy for you. What do you think people need to do to stand out thinking like long-term here that a lot of people are going to start using AI? Like it, because we all talk about it, it probably sounds like it's a higher adopted uh, tool right now than it probably really is. But next couple of years, everyone's going to be using AI for some type of like content creation, idea generator, et cetera. Some people are going to straight take the copyright from AI. So I'm curious, like, what do you think people are going to need to do to really stand out if there's increased uh, competition per se in email marketing? Um, does that make sense? The way I'm trying to figure out how to word that. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, I don't think this is as big of a concern as people might think it is. Now, on one hand, I think we're going to see insane competition at the volume level as far as just the quantity of content that people are, are putting out. But I just don't think that AI is good enough yet to remove the human element. And so the more we see all of this. So if, if you spend a lot of time playing around and creating content with AI, you get to where you can recognize AI content right away. Now, the average person might not be able to do that. And it depends on the type of copy. So if you're reading something that's just educational, like an educational pamphlet. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would be able to tell if it was written by AI or not. But if it's marketing copy, if it's if it's sales copy, then I can definitely tell because it just tends to be too wordy, too long. It's just not as persuasive as a good copywriter. So I think it's really going to be stand out. It's going to be more about quality over quantity. It's going to be, again, just making sure that you have that human element in there and also personalizing the content. So one of the things that people don't do already that they could be doing a better job of with email marketing, regardless of AI, is personalization. So they'll, they'll draft up an email campaign and they send it to everyone in their list. And if you have a, once you've 
got a decent sized list, what I would recommend is not sending every email to everyone and starting to create segments of different groups within your email list and then customizing the content of that email for that specific group. So the more you can personalize it to them, the more you keep that human element and you keep your brand personality in there, the more it's not going to look like other people's stuff unless they're copying your brand. And so another thing I would recommend is also you can just, uh, for all your direct competitors, opt into all their lists and see what everyone else is doing. And you'll notice a lot of times everyone's kind of doing the same stuff. So just intentionally going in a different direction uh, is another way where you can immediately stand out just by looking at what everyone else is doing and not copying everyone else like a lot of the others are doing. You keep saying the human element, and I'm curious if we can go a little deeper on that. Like how to... Like, what's the human element? Like, how do people add that? Like, what is that? I think I know what you're saying, but I want to see if, if it's actually what you're saying. Okay, so copywriting is different from the type of English writing that we learn in school where it's all about perfect grammar and you got to structure your sentences a certain way and all this stuff. So with good copywriting, unless it just doesn't fit the style of your brand, of course, it's a lot more conversational. So you can just cut sentences off. You can, you can have uh, one word be a sentence. So if you're going to say three or four words in a row, you could have a period after each one. You can have, uh, you know, just like friendly phrases that you would say, or you can start a converse, start a sentence with the word and, or the word, but where it's just more like, that's the way you would interject that sentence in a conversation with someone versus how you would write it if you were writing a paper. So I find that AI tends to write as if it's writing a college essay. It's like perfect, tries to use perfect grammar, you know, and full sentences. Whereas good copy, a lot of times is short and conversational. And it's almost like the messages that we would send each other, friends would send each other through text or email, except for, um, you know, there's some grammar, of course, you don't want to look unprofessional. It's just that you can get away with being conversational and friendly and saying things that aren't uh, traditionally, like maybe you spell a word differently because that's just how your brand likes to do it or, or making dumb little jokes that are funny for your brand and your audience, but AI would never think to do that, right? So those are the kind of things. I mean, I'm talking about like looking for ways to make sure this sounds like I'm actually talking to someone instead of it sounds like I'm going to be turning this into a professor. Yeah. One thing you said there was like, as if you were texting your friends. And that's one thing I've heard is write the email for one person. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that was really good. Like that makes a lot of sense. Like write it for Kyle. Don't write it for the hundred people on my list. Like just write this email as if Kyle and I are having a conversation. Um, <clears throat> is there anything I haven't asked you about email marketing that you would want to talk about? Let's see. We talked about, so segmentation is a big one um, that I like to talk about. You know, one thing I would say for people who are getting started with email uh, and starting to build out your list is before you get into all of this stuff of having to do multiple emails a week and all of that, the low hanging fruit is to first get your main automation set up. So coming up with that lead magnet, having a welcome series for that lead magnet. If you have a sales process that happens on a website where you can do things like abandoned checkout um, and you know even browse abandonment or any, if, anywhere you can add follow-up in your sales process with email, those are gonna be the things that move the needle more for you early on than doing the ongoing email marketing. Because a lot of times early on as you're building your list, you're gonna be getting people on this list and hopefully they're engaging in your sales process and that's really where all the email activity is happening. You don't really want to be doing all these other ongoing emails to those people because 
you're going to be thinking about in, in those automated emails, it's all about how can I convince them to take the next step? And I don't really want to distract them with other messages that are unrelated to where they are right then. So that's really where if someone's looking to get started, not only are you going to get more results by starting there, I think it's actually easier to start with those emails because the whole issue of coming up with what to say is a little easier because it's just so close to the sale where you can just take the, the questions, the objections, all these things that you're hearing from people and make those the email topics versus having to come up with a new way to talk about the same offer, you know, week after week, month after month, year after year, that's where it actually gets a little more challenging. Cool. That makes a lot of sense. All right. A couple of closing questions that I ask everyone, what does it mean to you to build an intentional business? Um, I mean, what comes to mind for me is, uh, having purpose. So like, for example, you know, I didn't grow up dreaming of wanting to start an email agency. It wasn't like my passion or anything like that. But what I do enjoy is working with other business owners. I've always been a big believer in just small businesses and entrepreneurship. And so for me, I like being able to play a role in helping someone grow their business, achieve their dreams, provide for their family. I see their businesses grow. I see you know, how that impacts their family. Um, and that is fulfilling to me. And so you know, I feel like with all my clients, we're working together because obviously they're paying me, they're helping me grow my business, helping me provide for my family and I'm helping them grow their business. So that's to me when I, I guess, whenever you ask that question, that's what comes to mind. Cool. I love that answer. I, I, you know, I work with a lot of business owners as well. I don't think business ownership's for everyone, but I do think it's one of the best ways to build wealth and to really like have an intentional life because you just get control, you can have financial freedom. So I think it's such a good opportunity. And I, you know, I'm kind of like you, I love to help people from my end, I'm helping them stay in business and, you know, maximize the money that they're making so they, they mm -hmm. can keep doing it for a long time. Uh, but yeah, it's really rewarding. Last question. What's the best book you've read and why? Hmm, man, that's hard to, that's hard to pick just one. Um, Let's see. It's I, I can't I couldn't pick just one, but one that comes to mind, and it's not really necessarily a marketing book at all. Actually, it's called That's The Power right. of Habit, mm -hmm. and it's a book that just really goes into how our how habits are wired in our brain and the, the way that synapses are formed, how to break habits, how to replace habits. And when I read that book, and I really understood how to create and replace habits. It made me way more productive as a person. I just got, I just was able to dial in my my routines and, um, you know, like the rituals as far as things I do with exercise and and how I manage my time and productivity. And that it wasn't just the book alone; it was all the other stuff that I did after gaining the understanding from the book um, that's had the biggest impact on my life ac across the board. Yeah, I love that. I'm a huge Atomic Habits fan. Uh, it's back there, but it's really hard to see because of the 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 way it's written on there. I used mm -hmm. to have it front and center, but it's like, it just gets blurred out. So I, I've actually, I don't know if I've read the power habit. Is that uh, like Charles Duhigg yeah. or something like that? Uh -huh. Yes. Yeah, so I, I can't remember if I read that one, but I, I'm a huge fan of the idea of habits and systems. And, um, you know, as a finance guy, I love fitness as well. So it, like, I think fitness and finance are interchangeable you change the terms but the concepts are completely the same in my opinion and it all comes back to like systems habits etc um so yeah no it's a i haven't read that one i'll check it out but i would highly recommend anyone check it out because anything you can learn about habits is just gonna help you in your 
personal growth journey, um, no matter what, what that is. Yeah, definitely. Cool. I agree. Where can people find you, Kyle? It's uh, Elevate and Scale on all the platforms. The one where I'm posting the most content is on YouTube. YouTube, cool. All right, so yep. go check out the YouTube channel, Elevate and Scale. It's all spelled out. Kyle, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Are you enjoying the new Intentional Profits podcast? If so, go ahead, leave us a five-star review and a written review and let us know what you think. And in the meantime, if you're interested in joining the waitlist for the Intentional Profits community, go to intentionalprofits.co and hop on the waitlist and you'll be one of the first to know about the founders, discount, and how to get started and when we are launching and going live. We'll see you next time.